So I, I, I have a question for you before we get started. Um, this is Dr. Ray Mitch. You're joining the uh, Outpost podcast. And the question I have is, do you know what an NPC is? Uh, if you are familiar with video games, you might know what it is. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. I have a odd um, entry point into what I want to talk about tonight. But before I get into that, let me um, let me introduce kind of what we're what we're here for, what I'm here for, and and you're joining me. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your schedule to to join me. Um, you, we're in episode 13. This is uh, entitled the the challenge of freedom and why we hate it. Uh, and we were just talking last time about uh, a comfortable enslavement and why oftentimes we choose the uh, the level of enslavement or um, uh, containment, if for a lack of a better word. So uh, just by way of introduction, what it is you're listening to, if you're listening for the very first time, um, the Outpost is a podcast is, is a podcast that looking at and exploring um, the intersection of faith and psychology and spiritual formation. Um, and, and these are all embedded in our everyday lives, whether we know it or not, or whether we accept it or not. And what I hope to do and have hoped to do with the podcast, although, um, you know, I think, I think we have gotten a varying level of engagement, um, that I still am not entirely comfortable or not, um, uh, used to is, is that because the, the reality is, is we, I sit down in front of a, in, in front of a mic and, and rant or rave or talk for, uh, 30 or 40 minutes and, and hope that uh, somebody's listening out there. <clears throat> I've been doing this long enough that this is episode 13 of, of the outpost podcast. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the predecessor of the outpost podcast was, uh, the psych monologues, and that was at 141, so this would make it 154 episodes total. And that's, I'm still not, I'm still getting adjusted to uh, the silence on the other side. I am so used to uh, being a college professor. I am so used to watching faces and interacting with people that it, it's an oddity, actually, to be sitting like this and 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 talking to whomever it is that, that I'm talking to and under whatever the conditions are that you might be uh, joining in and listening to a podcast like this. Um, but it, it's, that's the, the focal point of what I want to talk about uh, with a podcast like this. Um, what I want to do is to create a space where people, um, the doubters, the wounded, the confused, the bent, the beat up and beat down, the bruised who feel like their lives are a disappointment to themselves or, or even to God can feel accepted and accepted enough to be known and know others um, and and to be a place where pe- people can actually bump into the biblical Jesus, not the one that they have been told about. Um, so some kind of firsthand experience, um, and that can come in a lot of different ways with a podcast like this. I might I might take some time to, to look specifically in, into... Uh, Jesus's interactions with broken people. That has been one that I've been weaving in and out of for the last uh, year or so. Um, but it's also just discovering the heartbeat of God himself and, and 
maybe it's different than your concepts or your conclusions based on your life experiences or whatever that might be. Um, and to, and maybe to be introduced in a different way, um, depending on where you are and, and everybody that the interesting thing about a podcast is that it feels a little bit like just throwing a stone out into the middle of a, a pond and you, you never know what it's going to hit and what ripples it may make. So the Outpost uh, podcast is really the, the voice of a, a organization called SGI or Stained Glass International. And that's that exists to equip, encourage, and empower the next generation of, of young people to live authentically with Jesus and themselves and others. And, and ultimately, we do that through two different things. One, we do that through hopefully... Uh, what I call outpost groups. I, I have been referring to them as outposts for the heart and communities for the soul. Um, and, and that's a digital gathering really of people, uh, to talk about life and to ask questions and to discuss issues and whatever that might be. And that's, that's been a big part of, of the vision for this. My ultimate desire would be to, to build in places where people can meet in person uh, with leaders that are le- that are trained to be able to facilitate those discussions about life and living and and uh, questions of spiritual formation and anything else that it might be. So um, that's the outpost part. I, I will give you a, a quick preview that um, before long, depending on once it once it gets through the the um, <laughs> eyes of my focus group people. Um, I've got, I've got a sticker. Yeah, I guess that's the thing to do these days. It's create a sticker for whatever your ministry or whatever you're about. And, uh, I put one together and hopefully it will, will capture the essence of what the outpost, um, the outposts for the heart are all about. And, and it, there's a Latin phrase on it that I've used over and over again called essay quam videri, uh, that uh, means to be rather than seem. And that really is the, the rallying cry for our outpost groups that are coming up along the way. So that's coming in the future. Keep your eyes peeled if you want to join up with the community once you hit the, the website at sgi-net.org. Uh, you'll, be, you'll be notified. And uh, in 2024, my hope is, is that our communication uh, abilities will increase in terms of keeping our community informed and and the the formation of a variety of groups that people can get involved in if they want to, and that's 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 all hoped for and aspirational as the phrase goes. Um, Lord willing, that will come about. Now the other ministry, not only creating a gathering place for people to land and connect with other people, maybe in their area, geographical area. Um, but it's also leading and sponsoring silent retreats. And we have three coming up in the, in the fall, in the spring, I should say. And coming up on the, the end of a fiscal year, there, there is a great need uh, for sure that if you're, you're looking for a uh, worthy nonprofit to support um, and to be able to uh, invest in creating this kind of space of silence and solitude for young people to experience God in a new way, this is the place for you. And like I said, you get to the end of the year, and maybe you're looking for somewhere to donate um, some funds. 
that would be a great place to do that. You can do it on the website under the donate uh, drop down menu, uh, and and so you can you can do that as well. But that's what the silent retreats really are about: is introducing young people to to um, silence and solitude, which sounds horrifying to some people, at least. I know I've certainly been told that. Um, and so those two major pushes or initiatives are very much a part of SGI. Um, and, and the outpost is, is kind of the clearing house and also just the, the discussion point, uh, hopefully giving discussion, um, or, or discussion material for people that want to, want to talk about whatever that might be. So, SGI as a ministry um, is is really the the mother organization, um, and then the Outpost Podcast really is the the voice for that as well. And 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 even if you think of it metaphorically, if you will, that you know you're on a long journey. It's called life, and you're looking for some place that is safe and, and a sanctuary to be able to refuel and re recharge and maybe get some re a, a refocus on things then that's what an outpost would be for and that's exactly what this is meant to be except in the digital world and so so on to our topic what i want to talk about um is uh and i like i said at the top of the podcast if you've ever heard of the phrase npc um and and know anything about video gaming, which I spend I spend no time at all on this, although I am fascinated by the language that's involved in it actually. And um, one of the things that that caught my attention about this, and and I was I was watching uh, over the Thanksgiving break. Well, actually, early a uh, uh, longer time ago than that, but. I was watching a movie by the by entitled The Free Guy. And Ryan Reynolds plays in it and it it is a in, intensely fascinating movie. Now you got to realize that whenever you're you're I'm probably the worst person to be sitting watching a movie with. Um not that anyone would sign up to do that, of course, but because I th- there are themes that I am sensitive to, I'm aware of, that oftentimes what I find is that movies kind of stumble into them. And that's also what happened with this particular one um, in this movie, because it's a movie about a game, a video game. And it, 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 the thing that caught my attention about it was how much of a commentary about the life we lead or often lead, it was. And so, like I said, if you're, you're familiar with the concept in the video games, you have people that are players that, are, that live in the real world, okay? And then they put on whatever the avatar is or whatever the, the skin is. That's what they're talking about, at least in this, in this movie. And then you have all sorts of other kind of background characters that are referred to as NPCs. They're they're um, non-player characters, and they usually, more often than not, these non-player NPCs are just fodder for the players to stack up points and whatever else. The twist of this movie is really kind of the double entendre of the name, uh, or, or the title of the movie, because Guy 
He's just a generic guy, and that's his name, is Guy. <laughs> and um, the, the idea that he's free is, it doesn't fit, let's put it that way, because the, what they explore and kind of walk into is that he has become, quote-unquote, alive. And he's AI, he's artificial intelligence, he's been programmed, but then suddenly he starts to program himself, if you will. He starts to develop more and more beyond his original, what they refer to in the movie, at least, as the code. And, um, and so Ryan Reynolds is this guy, and he's been a background player for all of this time, and then suddenly he interacts with one particular player, not an NPC, a player, who, for whatever reason, triggers his uh, awareness of himself and not being... He doesn't know that he's an NPC. I mean, and, and again, there's, there's some layers to this because I think in a lot of ways, um, there are people, certainly I have met, and, and at times have felt that is just i'm i'm a background person i you know i i and that that may seem weird to hear from somebody like me who sits you know sits in front of a microphone or talks in front of a class and that's like how how can that possibly be but the thing is is that npcs are only as free as their code allows them to be now what's the code <laughs> Because I think in some respects, how the, the conclusions we make and the, the code by which we live, which is if you want to check it out and go back to the, to the previous podcast, it's number 12, it's called Comfortable Enslavement. Um, there's a code we live by. And so it's not the digital code, but it is the code that we live by, and we prefer living by the code than being really free, although we love to talk about being free all the time. And so the non-player characters are, are just fodder, you know, and like I said, they, they depending on who they are and how, how much value they have or whatever else, um, you know, they end up being kind of fodder. The, the interesting thing about it is, is, is that um, Guy who is, like I said, is Ryan Reynolds guy, becomes self-aware enough, and then he calls all the other NPCs in the game to, to grow as well, just like him. And, and there's multiple storylines here. I'm not going to try to get into it because it's, it's way more complicated than that. But there are a number of things that were said in there that caught my attention, um, and and that is, uh, you know, one one observation of somebody who is a player who has concern for this. He's called blue shirt guy. Um, is that there are players, but you only exist here. So players live in the real world, and you only exist here. In other words, and he says, "You mean I'm fake?" And she said, "Well, you're not real." And he said, "It sure feels." real to me and so he has this experience with her where he feels like there had to be something more which is really reaching beyond the code by which we oftentimes live 
And the code isn't always a biblical one. It's, it's, it's maybe a social one. But he finally gets disillusioned enough and is told that the, the world that he's living in is made up, it's created, it's manufactured, and he stands on the edge of it looking out onto a, you know, what looks like an ocean, and he says it's all a lie. And the only conclusion he makes is because it's all a lie, then it doesn't matter. So he seeks out his, his, his best friend, who is a security guard, and you know, he says to him, you know, how do you know if you're not real? And if you're not real, does it really matter about the things that we're doing? And, and, the, and the guard has an interesting philosophy because what he says is, he says, so what if we're not real? Uh, and, and that's, don't take that too far. You can go down a rabbit hole with that. But nothing, the, the guy character is saying, but then nothing you do matters. And he said, yeah, but I'm sitting here with my best friend trying to help him get through a tough time. Isn't that real? And there's, there's truth to that. There is truth to that. And like I've often said, oftentimes Hollywood and, and the, the uh, filmmakers stumble into the truth without really knowing it. But the one thing he, he says is, what if we can change it? And this is where freedom comes in, is this little flame that says, so what if I don't live according to the code? What if I... What if I do this differently? What if I, I actually am free and now I embrace my freedom that I have, that's mine, and then move and live life that way? And see, the thing I would make a connection to is that Christ, the, the Apostle Paul said, Christ came to set you free so that you would live free. Now, that's not exactly what he said, but that is the implications of what he said. And it, in spite of the fact that we can't be whatever we want, we can be more than we are. And we don't always have to do what's expected of us because people's expectations are not a constraint. They're... they're um, without them being said, see, a lot of times our expectation, people's expectations are never told us, but we still attempt to live by them. And then we condemn them for having expectations, even though they've never said that they do. And then when we bring them up, this is how convoluted it can get really, really quickly, is then when we bring it up, they say, I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't say that. And so the bottom line is, is that freedom is is a threat. I mean, we we talk a good game about freedom, but then when we have it, we go back to doing the same old things we've always done. And that's that is very much a part of our pattern, I think, is that we like our comfortable patterns and if it means not being free, so be it. I, I you know, I don't I can talk about the value of freedom but not live freely. But then the value falls apart, ultimately. And so what freedom does, just like it did in this movie, is it opened up a horizon of, I can do things differently. I can, I can chart a new course. <laughs> but 
nobody gives me a manual on how to accomplish that. I mean, how if if someone were to say, you know, well, you're free. You know, you you can choose what you want. And and I I have had some people actually look me in the eye and say, no, I'm not free. And it's like, well, I. It depends on how we're defining it, of course. That's always going to be the case. But freedom makes it possible, and I would suggest to you that freedom is always connected to grace. It makes it possible to chart a new course, but the new course feels so uncomfortable that we snap back to the old way of doing things. See, they're, they're interesting on this point. There's a, there's a guy in the, the, the movie who is... <laughs> who is in a bank when the gun-toting robbers come in, and he is frozen in, and if you're watching the video, you'll see it, but he's frozen in this in this um, kind of, uh, what do I want to say, position. And guy looks at him and says, that means you're free to put your hands down. And he tries, and he works, and he pushes, and, and it's like, no, I can't do it. It just doesn't feel right. It's not natural. And and then he provides all sorts of justifications for why he walks around with his hands in the air, because it saves time, because robbers are going to come, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, what is what if the, the the bank robber never comes? And it's like, well, I guess I never thought of that, but I guess that's a, a mild price to pay. But I think we do that in a lot of ways, really, is we choose positions. It may not be hands up, but we choose positions whether that's relational positions or whatever that might be. And trying to change it is so disconcerting and disorienting um, that we snap back to the old way of doing things. So what, what I want to kind of highlight real briefly, um, because I don't want to overstay my welcome here, but is three different patterns. And and the patterns are all focused in in around... Um, six dimensions, which I often talk about, and I'll lay them out as I go through it, but there are three different patterns we, we, we follow typically. We do it the old way, so being constrained, even being enslaved, but we try to live differently. We live by different codes, okay? A new code. So old way, new code. And, and then another one is, is a new way, but an old code. And then the last one is, is the new way with a new code. Okay. And the first two are oftentimes the two that we choose the most. Now, when I say new code, what do I mean? And what I mean by that is, for example, it's living in the truth and with the truth. And truth, when I say that, I mean reality. Okay. And, and even what God reveals for us about life and living is truth, but it, it it's one kind of truth. There's another truth. Uh, it's every bit is valid. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's, it's more important. I'm not at all. But living with both truths is living also with truth. And that's the accepting reality as it is, not as I would have it. And I talk a little bit about that in the last in the last episode. The second thing is is being committed. This is the new code. 
is being committed to allowing other people to be free as well as living out our own freedom as well. And, and that sounds nice, but we're so embedded in our ways of doing things that we really underestimate how much effort it takes, just like the guy with his hands in the air, how much effort it takes to actually allow people to be free, to choose. And, and ultimately, if they choose, then they suffer consequences for their choices. And, and so the commitment to allowing other people to be free means that they're free to have a different opinion. They're free to do things differently. They're, they're free to, to um, make different conclusions about me. They are. And then living in, my, in, in the freedom that I have, <coughs> excuse me, um, living in the freedom I have is allowing myself to make mistakes because grace and freedom always go together. Law and, and um, shame always go together. They always are connected. But freedom always comes with risk. Shame and law don't come with risks. Okay? So we live in the truth and with the truth, accepting it as it is, not as we would have it. We allow other people to be free without our efforts to try to control them or control their perceptions. The third thing is, is I'm clear on what I'm responsible for and what I'm not. I'm clear about my responsibility for caring for my own heart, not to the exclusion of other people, that's not what I'm saying. But it also means having good, healthy boundaries. And, and <clears throat> we all talk a great game about boundaries. I, but then the problem is, is when a push comes to shove and I have to make a choice about saying no and meaning no, the whole thing falls apart. So we go back to the, the old code and the old way of doing things okay so there's that and then uh you know another aspect of the new code is living a life of forgiveness and and repentance and owning what's mine when i've made a mistake and not having to throw a bunch of shame on top of it to prove just how repentant i am and forgiveness and and releasing people from my demand that they change but still allowing forgiveness to exist and and being open to reconciliation that's all a new code that I'm talking about and then finally <clears throat> is I strive for intimacy to be known and know other people and and the intimacy and allowing for risk which connects up with the freedom piece of it so that's the new code the old way of doing things is is conforming to the old world and the old world is living with something other than the truth and not striving at the truth as a matter of fact truth is an elastic thing that i can change according to my needs which isn't truth at all but it it's it's words that i can use to to manipulate how people see things and and we we go along to get along in a lot of ways. And if we can't do that, then we just kind of uh, uh, control the outcomes. And that's all the old 
way of doing things. So we still are committed to our controlling ways. We still are managing people's perceptions. We still are creating appearances of intimacy that, that are not the reality of intimacy. So we talk freedom, but we live control. And we watch the life, uh, we're watching life rather than engaging in relationships. And and that's a safer way to go, but that's the old way. It's it's avoiding conflict at all costs. It's managing intimacy to create the appearance of intimacy that that isn't there. But intimacy without risk is not intimacy at all. And so I can do the the uh, the new you know the new code in within the old way of doing things and constantly be frustrated about it because I, I'm trying to do it differently, but I expect the old way to conform or to comply, and it's not going to do it. It won't ever do it. I, I've had a lot of people, since I talk to students all the time, who are shocked and dismayed and maybe even irritated right up, right off that when they go home for Thanksgiving break, that they fall back into the same old vortex and acting the same ways as they always did before. That's the old way. And it's hard. It is really hard when, when you're the age of most um, most college, 18 to 22-ish years of age, you're still uh, turning over into adulthood. And you have people that see you differently than you see you because you keep up with your growth and they don't. And so we have a new code in an old way. We have a new way of doing things, which I'm talking about. But we use the old rules. And and we wonder why they don't work. So, so we're still operating by control. We're still operating by poor boundaries and trying to, to make sure that I take care of people so that they don't leave me. All of those kinds of things are the, the old way of doing things, the old code. But I'm trying to live a new way, and they just don't match there's, there's, I can know the right, I, in the, I can know the right way to do things, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to change anything. And oftentimes, again, it's, it's a conversation I had just recently is that, you know, students go through and hear all of this lovely stuff that I oftentimes talk about. And then by the time they, they are a year away, it's gone and they get really frustrated it's like this this is so significant this is so helpful this is so encouraging and yet in a year's amount of time and relationships and people and everything else it all goes by the wayside and that's that's really ultimately how we learn is we learn by not using it and then coming back to an understanding of the significance of it and and then we finally get to a place, and sometimes it's very cyclical, and in that sense it is very irritating, because we think we should be done by now, or we should have it down by now. And that, no, it, it takes multiple opportunities at trial and error and doing things and getting it wrong. And, and uh, you know, embedded in all of this is the thing that I talk about all the time with with shame. So 
the one thing I will say is, so we've got, well, let me, let me back up. So we've got old way, new rules. <laughs> we've got old, uh, old way, new rules. We have new way, old rules, which is comfortable because I'm operating by my usual code. Or I have new way and new rules. And this takes a lot more out of me than I ever could imagine because it just doesn't feel natural. And we define things as good, as natural, even though when we first started them, it wasn't that way. And that's that's the other aspect of this here is that it, my goal, my ultimate goal is growing into a new code and a new way of doing things. And that's why outposts are so important because I am not going to be able to identify what it is I have to deal with, focus on, challenge, try again without a, an extra set of eyes and ears hearing what it is I'm talking about and what I'm doing. And that takes risk, that takes trust, and that's the problem with freedom. Is freedom cost, calls us to trust the freedom that we've been given, even though that might mean we'll be making mistakes or we'll go back to sinning in the areas that we've always struggled with before. Whatever it is, it, it, that's the cost of freedom. But the, the only way we're going to change is in the context of freedom. We're not going to change in a cell. We are not going to change under the terms of our enslavement. That's the old way. And so the new way we can count on being uncomfortable and unknown and probably my need for processing it with more people increases considerably. And I need more input and I need more companions and I need people that are farther down the road that are willing to come back and help me understand the road a little bit better. I need all of those things if I'm going to live in the new way by the new code. And that's very much a part of it. So we have to prepare for the challenge because there's going to be a challenge to embracing freedom. And remember, when I say freedom, I am not talking about do whatever you want and not have any consequences. I am not saying that. Freedom ultimately means, yes, you can, doesn't mean you have to or you will, but you can choose something else. Just don't think that just because you're choosing something else, it will always be or feel better. It won't initially it won't. And sometimes doing the right thing doesn't always get positive outcomes. It doesn't. And that's the cost of freedom. Again, that, that is why we choose our enslavement over the freedom we have. So in spite of our desire, we live in a world of people who are not going to cooperate with our efforts. And whether it's the, the NPCs in a video game that don't cooperate and, and the owner of the game says, reboot it and shut it all down. And we may not have people that are trying to reboot things, but they're, they're going to stay their own course. They're not, they have not learned the kinds of things perhaps that we have. That doesn't make anybody better or worse. It just is the way it is. 
And the biggest challenge of grace is giving them the grace to learn and then refuse. They can. And that's the highest level of respect and love I can give somebody is the freedom to say no. <laughs> and so there, there's that. And we have to adjust our expectations about how people in our world will adjust or not adjust. And, and that's because, again, our, our tendency is to engage with somebody to try to make them into the people we want them or need them to be. But that, that denies their freedom when I do that. I, I can share with them. I can invite them. I can do a lot of things as long as it's, it's choice-based. But I can't, I cannot, if I'm going to be committed to freedom, then I have to be committed to freedom all the way. It's like a new way, a new code of living and doing things differently. And it, most of the time, it will run along those six dimensions I mentioned in terms of how I handle reality and truth, how I handle control versus trust, how I handle my boundaries about saying no and meaning no or trying to save people from themselves versus just being Uh, committed to my own growth and taking care of me. That doesn't mean I don't have any concern about anybody else. Don't think in all or nothing terms. Don't change it into that. That is not what I'm saying. Or learning to live forgivingly and repentantly and, and knowing what the difference between those things are. Or not shying away from conflict. And allowing conflict to exist because ultimately conflict is the gateway to intimacy. Because I, I, I can't engage being connected to somebody more based on false information. I can't. And that's not the way that, that this whole thing works. So intimacy always requires those other five dimensions in a lot of ways. And when they're not complete or they're not done or they're skipped over, the intimacy that is experienced is oftentimes incomplete. And there are lots of people who live with incomplete intimacy all the time. But somewhere along the way, they end up saying, there's got to be something more to this. And that's the the lingering understanding that maybe I'm missing something and I need to go back and learn a little bit about it. So, so freedom is, is not, uh, you know, not to be trite, but freedom is far from free. It is not license and it will always pose a challenge to us because we are trying to impose order on, on a world with without the necessary power to make that happen and i can create or i can cultivate order within my own soul in my relationship with god and with myself and with other people in my life i can create some measure of order there but even there there are lots of things about us that lie outside of our awareness that are not are not necessarily going to cooperate with that order we try to impose on it. And so there's there's a lot of potholes along this road that um, we, we need encouragement and we need input. And that's why a podcast like this exists, really, is to try to give people input 
about the journey that they're on. And, and that's what this has been about. So Anyway, that is it for tonight. If you have any questions at all, feel free to e- email me or to to uh, DM me on Instagram or whatever that might be. I'd be happy to um, take the question in uh, under advisement and maybe even have it be a springboard for what were um, what uh, my next topics might be. I'm open to topics for sure. Um, if you want to subscribe and be brought you know, up to date with what's going on in the community, which includes the retreats, it includes resources on the website, it includes upcoming topics in in the podcast, or um, my hope eventually will be to have people that I interview that you'll get to hear from. That's that's where you're going to find that out. And like I said, 2024 is going to be a year that we up up our game, hopefully in terms of communication so that you can know what's going on and what's coming up and what opportunities you have for growth or, or to be part of a group or whatever that might be. So when you hit the podcast or when you hit sgi-net.org, when you hit that, the digital home, you will be prompted with a pop-up about um, signing up to be part of the community. We are not going to spam you. We're not going to do any of that or use your email for any other purpose than just communication of what's going on in the community so you can avail yourself of whatever the resources might be. The second thing is is, is there is a digital devotional on the website that you are more than happy or you are more than invited to um participate in it's five bucks a month and you get a devotional every week about healthy relationships and things like that and you can find it on um yeah on the website under uh resources and under paid resources and that is setting new boundaries the the um devotional that you'll get every week and it provides you with fodder (laughs) it provides you with um, grist for the mill to talk about, maybe journal about and things like that. Um, you can follow us on three different social media outlets, on Instagram, it's S G I underscore international at Facebook at Ray dot Mitch, M I T S C H and LinkedIn D R Mitch are those three are the three that, that we're focusing on. You can of course get access to this podcast on any place that you listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify or Amazon Music or iTunes or wherever that might be. You can find us there. Please sign up. Please subscribe to follow us there. That helps to to provide some uh, support and encouragement for continuing uh, with doing a podcast like this. And then finally, if if you are interested or you know somebody who might be interested in partnering with us to continue to grow the scholarship fund for our silent retreats, mostly for college students who don't have a lot of funds, and and it's any any gift that is made to SGI is tax deductible. It, it can be uh, earmarked for the SGI silent retreats. It can be earmarked for our general fund. We still have um, uh, bills to pay, uh, platforms to afford, um, and fees to, to pay for starting up this organization at all. And so um, if you don't have it, and you know it, any amount is, is helpful, any amount is helpful, um, but if you don't have it, but you know somebody who might be interested in, in touching the next generation, 
um, in terms of their their fleeing from the church and fleeing from a relationship with God, that would be the person to tap on their shoulder and say, "Hey, this this might be a way to to support um, reaching out to that that generation of young young people in terms of what they're going through." So you can you can provide that donation, um, like I said at the top of the podcast on the donate uh, drop-down menu, and please do so. It's tax-deductible. You'll get a tax deduction in next year's taxes for whatever you are kind enough to partner with us to do. So if you'd rather write a physical check, you're more than willing or uh, you're more than welcome to do that. You can send it to SGI, and the address is P.O. Box 322, East Lake, Colorado, 80614. And that's... That's if you want to write a physical check, and we will not. I will not turn up my nose at any kind of donations, however, whatever form they come in. Now, if you 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 know you bring a a herd of cattle, that I'm not sure I'm going to be able to turn that into fungible funds that I can use. But hey, I'm 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 open to any possibility uh, as to what that would look like. So, um, I think that's it for tonight. Thanks so much for joining me, and as always. Love ya. Later. Bye.